share with you a passage tonight that begins in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and spills on into chapter 3 as we push along in our series, Sufficiency Deficiency. How many of you have been blessed by the series so far? It's been good. I have really, really taken to heart the things that God has shown me over the past few weeks concerning these things, and I hope that you have too. Aren't you thankful for the truths that we encounter in God's Word that address, but then also help us correct all of our deficiencies, whatever they may be? As Paul is speaking to the Corinthians, through the inspiration of the Spirit, he pens some very important words that speak correction to our sufficiency deficiency. So I want to read a few extra verses just for contextual purposes, but then mainly focus in on one section. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 14, Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. One of my good buddies has this phrase that he will oftentimes use when something unexpected happens. So he will say, just color me surprised. Anybody familiar with that phrase whatsoever? I didn't figure. I went around and asked some of the old people, like Brother Matt in our office today, if they were familiar with the phrase. And they actually had heard it before. My buddy, when, he, when something catches him off guard, when he gets something unexpected that, that pops up in his life, he'll say, well, color me surprised. And he'll also use it in a sarcastic kind of sense, too. So like if somebody states the obvious, he'll say it in a sarcastic sense back to them, well, color me surprised. Like, thank you, Captain Obvious. I think that's the modern day translation for this phrase for some of y'all. No kidding, Captain Obvious. But the first time he ever used this, it was new to me. So I asked him about the meaning of it, and he told me it was just a way of describing his emotion or feeling in that moment. And so you could apply it to other things. He says, so I might say, if I did something dumb, color me stupid. I asked Miss Peggy, who's one of the secretaries in our office today, if she'd ever heard this phrase, and she said, yes, and I've even used it before. And she said, most of the time I use it in the sense of I'll say back to someone, color me red, if I did something embarrassing. So color me red because, you know, her, her cheeks get flushed. So she's actually put it in emails to our church members before when she's made a mistake or a typo. She'll send one out and says, color me red. That was my bad on the mistake. And so as I'm talking to my buddy, as it turns out, it was something he grew up hearing his dad say. 
And so that's where he picked up on the saying. And I get intrigued by old sayings like that. And I like trying to find out what the origin of them are. Where did they come from? How did they come about? So I did some digging. And all I could really find concerning this phrase was that it was thought to have originated in the mid-1900s and that to color someone is to give an appropriate description to or of that person. Paul just stated, our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient. I need your help tonight. Turn to someone around you and, and help me give them our subject for tonight. Look at them and say, color me sufficient. Color me sufficient. I've got to brag on God for a moment as we do get started tonight. This deficiency has owned me for a very long time. And trust me, I'm still battling it quite fiercely, but God has really been opening my eyes to some amazing things, particularly concerning tonight's message. To be sufficient is to be adequate for the purpose, or quite simply put, to be considered enough for the purpose. And therein lies the problem for me. I never feel adequate for the purpose. I never feel enough for the purpose, whether it be in my profession, whether it be inside of my home as a husband or as a new dad, whether it be in relationships to friends, whether it be before God, I never feel adequate. I never feel enough for the purpose that has been set before me. And for some of you, that might be the same in your life. You never feel adequate. It may be that you never feel sufficient for your parents. You never feel sufficient, you never feel adequate for the purpose performance-wise, whether it be on the athletic field or whether it be on the basketball court. You never feel sufficient, whether it be in relationships with the friends around you. You never feel like you can be enough for the people that God has placed in your life. You feel like you're a terrible friend to those around you. Maybe you're like me and you never feel adequate enough. You never feel sufficient before God in your spiritual walk. But through Paul's testimony here, God has made known to me a couple of monumental truths concerning sufficiency. Can I share them with you tonight, please? Because it's so good. And I'm so excited that he has given me the opportunity to share these things with you tonight because I really feel like God is going to set some people free from this horrible deficiency in a brand new way tonight. True sufficiency. Let me say it again. True sufficiency establishes confidence, not commendation. Go back and look in chapter 3 with me. Starting in verse 1, Paul says this to the people that he's writing to. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? As Paul is writing to the Corinthians, there had been some people really question the validity of Paul's call to be an apostle, to be a teacher, to be a minister of the gospel. So they had called him to question his calling. And Paul says that we have been made sufficient. He said we are the aroma of Christ to spread his fragrance everywhere. So as he's responding to these critics, this is what he says. Are we, as I say that, as I say that I'm the, the fragrance of Christ, as I say that I've been called to be a minister of his gospel, he says, are we beginning to commend ourselves? Do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Paul is giving testimony to the fact that he has been called by God to share the gospel 
and to build the kingdom of God. He even says such is the confidence that we have in Christ in verse 4. There's a big difference, listen to me. There is a big difference between confidence and commendation. Confidence is the state of feeling certain about the truth of something. Commendation or to commend is the giving of praise or approval to something or somebody. So there is a big distinguishing difference between these two that I want you to really understand tonight. Paul asked them, are we beginning to commend ourselves? Or do we need recommendation from you? So essentially what he is saying in light of what God has called him to do is are we praising ourselves? Are we bringing praise to ourselves for what God has called us to do? On top of that, do we need praise from you? Or do we need the approval of you to go and do this thing that God has called us to do? And his answer is a rhetorical and resounding no. Absolutely not. Paul understood, listen, Paul understood his sufficiency came through Christ. He didn't need the applause. He didn't need the approval of other people because he had the confidence of Christ that solidified his sufficiency. Listen, I can't stress this enough. From someone who has spent the better part of his life seeking sufficiency from others, stop trying to get people to celebrate you when God has already chosen to validate you. I cannot understand why in my life, much less your life tonight, so don't hear me speaking harshly to you guys as much as I am to myself. I cannot understand why in my own life I continue to think I need the applause of people when through Christ I have the approval of God. It's a strange thing to me, Kyle, to understand and know that I have the approval of God and yet still seek the applause of people. Am I the only one in the room tonight that does this kind of stuff? Am I the only fool in here who has been told and who has been taught that you have the approval of God through Christ, yet still seeks the applause of the people around me? I'm not so naive to think that I'm the only person sitting in here tonight with this kind of struggle. But that's the deficiency, isn't it? That's where the flaw is. We think sufficiency establishes commendation, which is praise. Let me say that again. We think that sufficiency establishes commendation. So I think I'm sufficient. I think I'm adequate. I think I'm enough when people applaud or approve my work. I think I'm sufficient. I think I'm adequate when people applaud or approve my performance, whether it be in front of you guys, whether it be within my home with my wife, whether it be on the athletic field, whether it be on a court somewhere, whether it be in the gym, whether it be in the classroom. I think that I'm sufficient when people applaud my community service or my sacrifice, the things that I do. And if I'm not getting celebrated, then I feel insufficient. But true sufficiency that comes from God establishes confidence in Christ. When I'm confident in Christ, I don't need to be celebrated in my calling. With or without applause, I continue in the work knowing that it pleases Him. Let me help you with something tonight. Man's applause stops, but God's approval stamps. 
The main difference being, one is permanent. So you can live for the applause of man all you want to. But sooner or later, no matter how high you might attain, no matter what kind of greatness you might achieve, man's applause in your life and of your life will eventually fade out and come to an end. But when God stamps His approval upon you, there is nothing that can remove that stamp. It is everlasting, it is enduring, it is eternal. Now can you see how sufficiency doesn't need to hinge on commendation of people rather than confidence through Christ? And I really hope that you guys are getting it. Having confidence in Christ eliminates the need to have commendation from others. When I'm confident in my Savior, then it puts me in a position where I could really care less if people applaud what I'm doing or not for His glory. Having confidence in Christ eliminates the need to have commendation from others while also utterly destroying my insufficiencies and inadequacies. Your sufficiency will stabilize when you have a confidence that flows through Christ. True sufficiency establishes confidence, not commendation. Now let's get to the really good stuff. That was the good stuff. Now we got to get to the really good stuff. True sufficiency is given, not gained. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, go back and look, verse 5. Paul says, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Let me say this right here. This, this one particular truth has the capacity to overwhelm your sufficiency deficiency if you will reach out and lay hold of it. And it's exactly what I just stated. It's the truth that true sufficiency is given, not gain. Paul speaks to where his sufficiency originates. And his source of sufficiency comes from God himself. Listen to me. If your sufficiency doesn't come from the right source, it will never sustain. So if my sufficiency comes from a source other than God himself, who is the only one able to provide true sufficiency, it will never sustain. It might climb up to a certain level for a little bit, but it will always be knocked back down because the applause will sooner or later stop. And a lot of us in this room tonight, I promise you, you have got your sufficiency coming from the wrong source. That's why you still battle with insufficiency and inadequacy. I know. I know because I can speak to it because it's me. I have the most unsustainable sufficiency levels probably of anybody in this room. In all honesty, I can feel completely sufficient in my calling while I stand here and deliver this message. Give me another 10 minutes and let me walk off this stage into the back of the room. And by the time I go to the water fountain to get something to drink, I can feel like the most insufficient, inadequate, insignificant piece of garbage that God ever called into His kingdom. 
Why? Because oftentimes my sufficiency is in the wrong source. If your sufficiency does not flow from the proper source, it will never, ever sustain. You can take that one to the bank. As Paul talks about being the aroma of Christ and spreading his fragrance, in other words, spreading his gospel throughout the world, he asks a question. He says, who is sufficient for these things? In other words, who is sufficient to bear the name of Christ? Who is sufficient to be giving the message of his gospel and take it out to the world around him? And then he answers his own question. He asks the question and then he answers it. And his response to his own question is this, not that we are sufficient in ourselves. Paul realized of himself that he isn't sufficient. And neither are you. Neither am I. In and of ourselves, we are not sufficient for these things. But Paul realized that his sufficiency came from God. It was a gift. He says, our sufficiency, look at what he says in verse, in verse 5. The last part of the verse, he says, our sufficiency is from God. When you get a package from somebody and it has your name on it and it says, to Charlie from mom, what did you just receive from your mom? A gift. That's exactly what sufficiency is that comes from God. Sufficiency is a gift that comes from God. And Paul makes purpose of that point. He says, I want you to understand that in and of ourselves we are not sufficient. But I want you to also understand that our sufficiency comes from God as well as the point that he points to the fact that, that God made him sufficient. So it's not just that sufficiency came from God, it's that God made him to be sufficient. God himself chose Paul to be an instrument for the building of his kingdom. He took what was at one time someone who was insufficient for that kind of work and made him sufficient to be a minister of his gospel. Paul was someone who persecuted Christians. He was someone who hated the church and what it stood for. He had Stephen Stone for spreading the gospel and believing that Jesus was the true Son of God. Do you think Paul was a sufficient tool before he met God? Absolutely not. It was God who took up his life and made him sufficient to be a minister of the gospel. The fact that Paul received sufficiency from God and was made sufficient by God tells me that sufficiency is given, it's not gained. And understanding this changes everything for someone like me who has always sought after sufficiency to be something that is earned, achieved, or attained to. And what has fueled my deficiency for so long is the fact that I've been trying to chase what I could never catch. The fact that I've tried to earn what I never could gain. And I think many of you are doing the same thing here tonight. You're chasing after what you will never be able to catch. You're chasing after something that you will never be able to gain by trying to earn it. And it is fueling, just like it is for me, your sufficiency deficiency. Listen, apart from a relationship with Jesus, you will spend your life seeking adequacy, seeking sufficiency, seeking value and worth from a world that will never be able to provide it in a way that completely fills the void. God help me say this. Sufficiency gained has a dependence on me. 
But sufficiency given speaks a declaration over me. And I don't know about you guys, but I would much rather be declared by God to be than be dependent on me to become. Much rather would I be declared by God to be holy than dependent on me to become holy. Much rather would I be declared by God to be righteous than to become dependent upon me to become righteous. Much rather would I be declared by God to be ransomed than become dependent upon myself to become ransomed. So hallelujah, excuse me for a moment, because the blood of God through His Son has chosen to color me sufficient. Like Paul, God has taken someone who was insufficient, case in point, someone who is insignificant, someone who is inadequate, and made me sufficient. Adequate for the purpose to which he has called me to. It was never anything that I could gain. It's what he decided to give. And he's done the same thing for each and every one of you. Through Christ, He has made you sufficient. Through Christ, you are adequate for the purpose to which He has called you to and placed you in. And I don't care what the culture may say about how you measure up. I don't care what your feelings may try to get you to believe. We're confronting our insufficiencies with the great I Am. And if you're in Christ, He has colored you sufficient. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm saying that we can come together and collectively say that color us done with this deficiency. Because I don't know about you guys, but I don't want any more of it in my life. I'm tired of taking a declaration that God has spoken over me and trying to make it dependent upon me to uphold it and fulfill it. What God has declared over each and every one of us is the promise that we are to live in in continual victory day after day after day. And like I said, go back to week one. I don't care what the culture wants you to measure up to. Move into week two. I don't care what your feelings want to say about you. Go back to week three. I don't care about what your insufficiencies may say because we confront them with the great I am. And he has colored us sufficient by the blood of his son, Jesus. But we got to make a choice to daily live in that truth. i got to make a choice here in a few moments to come down off this stage after we are done with this and you go into your groups and walk to the back of the room and not listen to the lies that the enemy is going to place within my mind about how I just laid a big egg up here. And it is kind of funny, right? But it's true. You guys will have to make a choice when you leave here tonight and the first time that you have a mess up, the first time you feel like you let God down not to go sit and sulk in the corner somewhere as if he never cared anything about you. And start living in the promise of what he has spoken over us and let's be done with this deficiency in our lives. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. 
It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for His glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.